3: Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Jillian Music, co-founder of Moz, and I've got Ann Kennedy, my author of Global Search Engine Marketing, my partner at Outline's Venture Group, and my friend. Thank you and welcome, Anne.
4: Hey, Jillian. How are you this
3: morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great, too. What are we talking about today? We're going to talk about how to avoid this chasm of micromanagement in your startup and it is a chasm.
4: (laughs) Oh my God. You know, every time I find myself having to deal with it, it just makes my skin crawl. So (laughs) So, (laughs) tell me, what is it? What is it? Why does it happen? It seems to pop up like mushrooms.
3: It certainly does. Whack-a-moles, right? Micromanagement is really the result of poor or no processes in place. Got that? No processes or poor processes. It always leads to micromanagement. Good processes avoid having to micromanage, right? By getting good processes in place, you can take a lot. It's going to take a lot of hand holding. It's going to take some cajoling and reassuring. And sometimes it feels like nothing less than a baton march. Some fem- members, you know, the team members, they're going to drop like flies. But whoa, it whoa, whoa, whoa. Worth whoa, it. whoa,
4: whoa. What, what, what? That's hyperbole. Hyperbole, don't you think? Can it really be that bad?
3: <laughs> Yeah, it is, um, I know it's hyperbole above and beyond, but really within reason, it depends on the team that you're dealing with. It depends on the stage of the company, how many people you're dealing with, how functional or dysfunctional the company and the corporate culture are to begin with, right? And how far down the path this founder has gone in micromanaging instead of putting processes in place. So without processes, people start working at cross-purposes very, very quickly. You're going to find it's a pretty rough, you know, road to hoe when you're done here. So everyone has their hearts in the right place, right? And in the absence of leadership, everybody strikes out on their own to do their best and move the company where they believe it has to go.
4: The herd are running off in all directions.
3: Exactly right in the absence of leadership which means leadership didn't put processes in place they didn't put any kind of walls or guidelines in place everybody's running around in circles so the founder takes charge immediately right she or he says immediately i'll take this from here and i'll edit that before you post and i've got the voice of this company and i know how to get that invoice paid and i'll do it and i'll do it and i'll do it and
4: it's it- not sustainable
3: no, it's not sustainable, but it's also not even workable at the earliest stages because then everybody else gets kind of pissed off, right? They don't really want to hear, I'll do it, which means I'll take it from you. They want to learn how to do it, right? Sure. But you're not telling them there is a way to do it. You just say, do it. So in truth, in the earliest stages of company development, the founder really does everything, right? But, but it's not
4: sustainable. So exactly. then what?
3: Exactly. So giving away those Legos doesn't come easily. You or the founder, whatever, is never sure somebody else is going to do this job as well as you're doing it. Right. And you're not sure you can trust anybody else to do these things. Quote, right. And for the good reason. Right. You haven't ever had anybody else and there's nobody else been doing anything. Only you do it as the founder. That's hard to get over.
4: You just referenced a wonderful article by Molly Graham. We remember who Molly Graham is, right? She, mm-hmm. she uh, I think, she grew first Google and then Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. working largely in HR and operations. So she was really right at the nexus of where the growth was happening and how you manage the teams. And the article you just mentioned, you made reference to, is giving away your Legos. Yeah, was on First Round Capital's blog. We did a whole show on that. Remember? I but- do. For our listeners who might have missed that, I'll put the link up. We'll put the link up on our Facebook page so that people can see it again.
3: Excellent. Okay. Um, and, And how about some context for some folks who haven't listened to our previous show?
4: Sure. The idea of giving away your Legos is this. In order to scale and scale quickly every few months, you, founders, CEOs, managers, must give away the jobs you have been doing to someone else and work on the what's next jobs in your company. Mm -hmm. And that's something you talk a lot about, Jillian, is the idea of, of what's next in the context of CEOs and COOs.
3: Yes, I actually do a lot of that, Anne. I talk about successful tech companies being comprised of both a wizard, and that's a visionary, or in some circumstances you'll recognize them as the technologist in your company, and an executor. Now the purpose of the executor is to protect the wizard. COOs out there listening to this podcast, heads up folks, you know, if your wizards are thinking about anything except what's next, you're losing money. So, executors execute on the vision of wizards. I must have said this a thousand times on this show. So, if you've listened to other podcasts, you've heard that before. Once you get the right people in those senior seats, whether they're co-founders or C-level execs or others, you're going to find that things start moving in the right direction. Now. The wizard, generally a startup CEO who may have been doing everything from paying the bills to managing IT development, and usually without any background experience in either of those things and many others, to support him in the endeavor, must give away those jobs as quickly as possible to the COO.
4: That's giving away Legos, for sure. Mm -hmm. But we know it's not so easy, is it? I read an interesting article by Ann Duane about her experience at Zinch. And quoting from that article, when Ann Duane became CEO of Zinch, the college matching service online, she said it felt like diving into a pool, needing to figure out how to be a synchronized swimmer. Well, well it's a big big order. Yeah, I
3: remember that, yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, it was a tricky dynamic, she says, because there was an existing team. I had to insert myself, establish our priorities, and hash out how we were going to operate as a team. But there was a lot of missing context so it was the Olympic Games of adapting to a new job.
3: Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way to describe it. That's an Olympic Games of adapting to a new job. So uh, can we put a Facebook uh, article, you know, a link on our Facebook page again? Absolutely. Okay.
4: <laughs> uh, and let's just tell people where to look for that because we do like to
3: have them come see our Facebook page. Absolutely. Facebook.com. Forward slash CEO coach podcast. Again, facebook.com forward slash CEO coach podcast. You'll find the links to the articles we're referencing here and plenty of other information. Uh, we hope that you, you know, stop by, hit the like button so you, we know you're out there and tell us what you'd like to hear on Webmaster Radio's CEO coach. So, um, as we kind of roll through this concept now, Certainly, it is a tricky dynamic, regardless of what time you're entering the corporation. But at this point, I think we should point out that it's, there's a complexity around understanding what process is and why it's valuable. So there's this kind of workflow process definition that I put together. First of all, I would say that it's Tight. Right, It leads to far fewer dropped balls, and it enables us to do more with fewer man hours. It's replicable, right? Unlike the kind of ad hoc things that go on in the beginning of a a startup, right? It's replicable. So unlike email threads, a process provides clarity and standardizes activity so it can be handed off to others in the event of illness, travel, just being busy, and like, you know, moving on to the next job. It's scalable, Working with just a few elements of anything and just a few people is pretty easy, right? If you're working remotely even, you can still pick up the phone, send a chat, uh, whatever it is, right? It's fine, but it's not scalable. We keep talking about that, and it's not scalable. Scalability requires the replicability that I just mentioned, and it enables you to expand your business operations without mayhem. Then it's got boundaries that prevent meddling. So a process that you're going to create for your company must have boundaries in it. It's a critical piece. It avoids team members stepping on each other's toes, and it provides clear places for input of team members who have valuable assets that you really want to leverage. So it could be that material goes into specific place uh, folders. There are uh, specific meetings that you will have in which the input is taken, but you've then put time limits on that process. So the next next. Next one is time limits. It provides clear deadlines for input by all team members. It tells you, again, where you do it, how long you have to do it. And then there are none of these emails with these multiple changes and plans and edits across purposes. and, And it prevents this 11th hour stumbling and bumbling that we find so often when there's no process in place. And then finally... It leverages the talents and knowledge of those that you need most, right? The subject matter experts inside your company can teach appropriately, and it avoids enabling team members to meddle or stall the speed of development. It gives control to the final person who's got the approval process in the entire you know process here, right? If input is not useful, the final approving party in any process need not use it. Final authority is critical for the success of any solid business process.
4: We need to go to a break. and Those all make perfect sense. And I want us to come back after the break and do some deep dive into, into these, the workflow process and how it's of benefit. But for a moment, let's take a few words from our sponsors.
2: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition.
1: To get your free extended
5: trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix,
2: We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm.
4: Welcome back to CEO Coach. We are talking today about ending micromanagement. Yay! And instituting processes at your company which will end the micromanagement in case you didn't get that. We just took a few moments to define what we meant by process in the previous segment. Jillian, do you want to sum those up again real quick so Absolutely. we can hear the intrinsic value of growing That's right. They into are a tight. Company?
3: You got it. They're tight, they're replicable, scalable. The boundaries prevent meddling. Time limits, speed process, leveraging talents and knowledge is part of that process, and then there's control at the end by the authorized party.
4: Okay, then. I'm a true believer, but let's get to <laughs> the meat of this for our listeners, Jillian. How do you get processes in place and get out of micromanaging your company to its early demise, which would be really sad?
3: Yes, and it uh, actually does lead to early demise. Um, If you can't give away those Legos, if you will, if you can't give away those jobs, you can't scale. And it's just that simple. Then you have a small lifestyle business, but it's never going anywhere, and it probably will fold if you're trying to build the one, and you're acting like any other. So the first thing to understand is who you are. If you're the wizard, it's time to acknowledge that and to get an executor in place instantly. If you're an executor, whether you're just coming aboard or you're taking over operations role from your co-founder, it's best to take stock of the activities. You can't really call them processes, right? But whatever activities are going on in the company now, that's what you take stock of. And you do so simply by asking about them, right? You study that. So we have a start up in our portfolio and that is in the throes of establishing those first processes right now and moving a CEO away from the micromanagement right now. That's a really tough road to hoe. Indeed. So with one person wearing all the hats and carrying all the buckets, the company can't possibly grow. Right, The CEO knows it and expresses that he's hobbled and he's you know, moving the company forward. He's trying to do that, but he doesn't have enough time to focus on that 20% of the important things that will you know, just do that for him, move that company forward. But he's also having trouble giving away those Legos.
4: So when one person is carrying all the hats and carrying all the buckets and we know the company can't grow – So how do you approach
3: getting somebody to actually give away those Legos? Right. So the very lack of processes makes it difficult to hand off anything, Um, but that's the purpose of processes, right? They provide all of these contexts and so on. We we get that it's difficult for them and... The first thing, perhaps, is to understand what will likely happen, right? Tempers will flare. The receiving party, generally a process-oriented person who has done this before, is impatient with the lack of processes, even knowing full well that that's the reason they're there at all, right, to create the processes. But it's the nature of the human. It's what we call assets and attributes. It's the attribute of the human. So the wizard's frustrated by her inability to explain all that she does and all the steps that are being taken today. The key members are frustrated because, you know, their simple little, let's just talk and email each other processes are being changed. They're thinking, you know, somebody's moved my cheese.
4: Oh, oh, yes. We need to put that up on our Facebook page, too. Who <laughs> Moved My Cheese?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll do that. We'll put up um, i just, a, I think, a link to Wikipedia has got a wonderful definition of that, Who Moved My Cheese? And it's certainly a book, and people can buy that, too. So the wizard's trying to explain what she's been doing. The key members, who are braving fans of the organization, are upset because they are have to do something differently, and someone else is telling them how to do it and how it's going to go down. Down. The executor is a bit overwhelmed, as Anne Duane said, right? It's like trying to learn synchronized swimming after having been tossed into a pool for the first time, right? But the process is doable, and it can even be done well. The, you know, Anne Duane suggests that we apply game mechanics to the process, and I think that's brilliant,
4: Yes, uh, Dwayne said, and I'll quote it here, good leaders create a context that embraces the joy of figuring things out.
3: Yeah. The joy of figuring things out. So naturally the joy of figuring things out requires enduring the struggle of working things through. And in gaming, the whole process is expected and the mental rewards of figuring things out sustain gamers through hours of practice and failed attempts. And that is the the balance of the quote from Anne uh, Duane. So what I'd say is, yeah, precisely, you know, while it would be foolish to address your team and say, hey, we're going to make game out of this, right, it would not be foolish to approach the team like a gamer. In order not to lose team uh, key team members, either literally as in, you know, they quit, or figuratively as in they check out mentally and they're no longer really deeply engaged in moving your company forward, I suggest the following approach. We're going to say the first thing is that the processes enable you to manage not people, but process itself, right? That people should be left to decide the minutiae of their own jobs. It inspires them to do the best work they can do. And it increases creativity, initiative, power, and value in everyone in your team. Micromanaging stymies the growth and kills the startups, right? It's really that simple. So, so
4: I'd much rather... Um, ad- Take the game approach, then go on a baton march. May I just say that?
3: <laughs> Absolutely. So the gaming approach. Would be about um, engaging the team with an understanding of um, that the fact that the process is going to take some time. There will be trial and failure. The first thing you want to do is query the team about what they do today, and then if you can't um, discuss with them, you know, an example that you already have that says, "Oh, and it failed here, so let's come up with something where it won't fail the next time," because that's a really good motivator, by the way. If it's failed, then it's easy to uh, you know to tell them this didn't feel good to any of you and we didn't get something accomplished and so now we're going to fix it if you don't have that then paint a picture of the future say what happens when each of you move ahead in your own field and you take on more responsibilities in the company in other words you're saying what happens when you guys get a promotion then you're going to have to train somebody else to do this How would you create that training manual so that it was a replicable process and you could train not only one person, but perhaps somebody for three or six or 6,000 offices around the world? That's about scalability. So you're painting the picture.
4: So uh, one thing that comes to mind about all this is there was a book, a very slim book a few years ago called The E-Myth. Do you remember this book? I do. Uh, And the the core premise, and I can't remember the name of the author, but I will I will find that and put it up on our Facebook page as well. The The core premise was that uh, um, entrepreneurship wasn't about doing it all yourself. It was about developing replicable processes that you could be easily taught, uh, whether they involved complex skills was another thing, but at least the process could be easily taught. And that is how... Uh, one became a successful entrepreneur. And I think this book was maybe 20 years old, something like that. It but is. it sure it probably- is resonating with what you're telling us today.
3: Yes. Um, the E-Myth was uh, written by Michael Gerber. You can still buy it on Amazon. It's still out there. And I believe it was written in 2004. Um, and actually, no, it was just republished in 2004. It looks to me like it was a 1990s book.
4: That's what says- I thought, yeah.
3: Yeah, 1990, so that's a long time ago. It's still very valid today, you're quite right. Uh, The processes that we use um, to uh, create replicable events inside a company that hold to standards and meet the goals, um, if you will, just both the short-term and the long-term goals of a corporation are critical to scalability.
4: And there's another concept I've heard bandied about a lot among tech startups is uh, what number bus company are you? And this has everything to do with having scalable processes that are are clearly defined because the higher your bus number, the better your company is. If you are a bus one number bus company, that means only one person knows how to do what you do, and that's bad. Because suppose sense. they got hit by a bus.
3: Exactly right. That makes really good sense. So replication of, uh, of the skills and replication of the um, ability to perform a particular process is critical also to success. It was one of the pieces that we described in the workflow process. Not right. It's the second one. The first is that it's tight, right? Fewer drop balls and enables us to do more with fewer man hours. But at the same time, it's replicable, which means that you can have redundancy inside your organization.
4: And we all know that redundancy is how the airplanes stay in the sky and the lights stay on with failover yes. systems. So make your process your failover system. We need to take a break now, Jillian. But then okay. we'll come back with to sum up some top tips for ending micromanagement and beginning secure and uh, sustainable processes in your company.
2: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this.
1: are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money i'm david ogletree president of wme training did you know that companies waste 25 percent of their ppc spend on average at wme training we can show you how to make your adwords account a lean mean converting machine whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at Wmetraining.com.
2: We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on Webmaster Radio.fm.
4: Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with my business partner and friend Jillian Music. We were just about to share our suggestions for putting processes in place for an early-stage startup and making process-oriented management an integral part of your corporation forever after. Jillian, forever?
3: Forever, seriously. If seriously, you, yeah. Yeah, if you don't start now and then continue the process, the whole thing falls apart again. You can't just put a few processes in place and hope that it all stays forever. I mean, that really is the the key piece here, I think. Um, start as early as you can inside your company, creating processes, not just selling people to do stuff. Right? If you tell me to do stuff, then I do it, and then I come back, and you have to tell me again. If you create a process and say you own the process, I not only take care of that process and do all the things that must be done, I make it better over time. I iterate and make it better over time. Right. So as soon as you can do it, you get those things in place, and over time, you increase not only the number of processes, but, if you will, the refinement of it is not the same as making them more complex.
4: Refining. Not yes. refinement, not complexity. Mm-hmm. Abs- absolutely. So what's your number one tip?
3: Well, I'd say get real with yourself. There's going to be pushback. are going to be hurt feelings. Um, you know, there's going to be trouble in your team from the top down. The intensity is going to depend on how well that you manage the personalities, whether you engage your team in helping to formulate the processes. And that's the critical part about the game mechanics that we talked about, right? Engage the team in formulating those processes themselves. And of course, how functional or dysfunctional that team was before you stepped in. The longer the micromanaging has been going on, the more difficult the task is ahead of you. And the longer the micromanaging, the more impatient your investors will be be to see this company get back on track so you've got a double whammy on that one i'd say that's my first tip get real with yourself about what this is going to take and start managing personalities in addition to the process creation
4: okay then what is number two
3: Um, Enlist your capable team members, right? Ask how things are being performed now. Then you provide these clear examples of times when the process fails. We talked a little bit about that, right? And if you can't do that, where people have already stepped on toes, um, then you talk to them about um, examples where you can say, think about the future. How will you train someone else and how will that person train the next one? What happens if you have 5, 10, 15, 1,000 offices around the world? Can you? still do it. Those people will actually help you create the most effective processes with your input to help uh, scale it down and refine it. The best process has the fewest steps, is the simplest to follow, and is completely replicable.
4: Say that again. It's just beautiful.
3: (laughs) The best processes are simple, right? They have the fewest steps, and they're completely replicable.
4: All right, then. And number three...
3: Number three is test it. Yeah, test, 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 and then do it again, right? So not everybody is going to agree with your process design and not everybody is going to immediately take, uh, you know, engage, if you will, immediately and, and start doing it, right? It's going to take a lot of hand-holding, cajoling, repeated statements of the requirement. You're not asking them to, you're telling them to, right? Before you see the new process is being used effectively. Um, but, testing the process with the team engages them and makes them use the process more frequently and more consistently. If they know that one of their jobs is to improve it, they're going to use it. And that in itself, even though it's raw, is going to really smooth things out. Um, If you don't test, you're going to get lower engagement and um, you're not going to improve it quickly enough that the value will be seen by all the people in the company.
4: Well, it sounds to me that uh, testing is—it goes back to your idea of uh, making this a game, in a way, because the testing is like your results in the game, your score, if you will, so that you can measure how it's going and whether you need to go out and slay more dragons to get to the next level.
3: Exactly. Well, you talk about that a lot too. It's about uh, tracking the, uh, you know, the important metrics. And one of the important metrics, as you put these processes in place, is how every single one of them is doing. Right. Every time you create a process, you take a group of people and you say, how are you going to do this? They come up with something they think is replicable and, and serviceable and so on. Then they're going to use that process and it's either faster or not than it used to be. It's either better or not, more efficient. We're not right. We're going to find out. And if you, uh, you know, check those things over time and you actually track it, you know the deal. That which is measured can be improved. Lord Kelvin said it, you know, I say it, lots of people say it. And
4: that improvement helps overcome the all-too-human tendency to view things only from a singular perspective and not see the overall. In other words, they might enlighten um, the path for everyone.
3: Absolutely. So the last little tidbit is really, you know, some processes are going to be a need editing. This isn't going to be an easy path. There are going to be people, perhaps even who leave the company when you start putting these things in place. All of that is part of the growth process. But like a scout, I would say, don't be flustered. Don't be nervous. Be prepared.
4: And on that note, we need to close. We've run out of time again on CEO Coach. Jillian, how does this happen? I have no idea. (laughs) But we would like everybody to know that uh, these shows are archived at webmasterradio.fm on our very own CEO Coach page, uh, where you can go and listen to them again and download them for free. So that's it for this Monday at CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at webmasterradio.fm for their continuing support. I mentioned downloading the shows through Webmaster Radio. You can also download them at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find the links we talked about and more on facebook.com forward slash CEO Coach Podcast. Stop by and hit the like button so we will know you were there and tell us what you'd like to hear about on CEO Coach. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ian Kennedy with Jillian Music. Hey, Jillian, talk to you next week.
3: Till next weekend.
4: You can find out more about how we help companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at outlinesventure.com.